You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Our final It's Always Game Day in Buffalo before the Bills report to training camp and get on the field on Sunday, July 24th. Sal Capaccio here, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bovey with me as well, Channel 7, WKBW Sports Director. Can you tell the excitement in my voice? Like, I'm ready, man. I'm jacked for football. <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's like a weird bittersweet moment because training camp for us and for a lot of like football fans marks kind of the unofficial end to summer. And that stinks. But in a way, I've said it on the pod before. I'm a big fall guy. It's my favorite time of year. And the fact that we're getting closer to football, we're getting really close to football. That makes me happy. And chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, it also probably makes you pretty happy. Yeah. And look, it's going to be really hot out at Fisher. It usually does get that way, but sooner rather than later, it's going to start turning and we're going to have that shorts and hoodie weather that we all love so yes. much, right? I like, yes. you know, we like That's to do all that. I want. I'm yes. waiting. I'm waiting. So you and I have talked about a lot of this that we're kind of rehash here in a moment. We're going to focus a little more specifically on it in this particular pod, but just to kind of recap everything we've gone through and look ahead to what's going to happen on Sunday. The biggest storylines for training camp, and I think you have to start with Jordan Poyer, but this is something that could be resolved right away, right? Like going into training camp, to me, right, it's a big storyline, but who knows? Maybe he signs a contract. Maybe he shows up and like, yeah, we're working through things. Then it doesn't become a storyline. I think it stays one, Matt, if we have the other side, which is A, he doesn't report, or B, for some reason we get an indication it's contentious. I agree, but I don't foresee any of that happening. I almost think at this point, it's just going to be status quo. And the first time we hear from him, he's going to kind of toe the company line and just say like, listen, I think I've earned a new deal. I want to stay here. I want to win a Super Bowl here. And I hope we can work something out. And then if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, I just anticipate that he basically plays this year. And then they circle back to this once his contract expires and they figure out, okay, are we going to try and keep you as a piece for the future? or are we going to let you walk? I, I mean, this is for probably the sake of everybody who's listening to this podcast. The best case scenario, probably for the Bills, is that they win the Super Bowl this year and then Jordan Poyer goes and signs for a bunch of money with another team, but he gets a chance to be part of the team that wins it all. And then he also gets his payday. The thing that's going to be complicated is if once again, they're knocking on the door and they fall just short, 
Is he going to want to stick around long-term if he doesn't sign a contract before the offseason and try and be part of the piece that, you know, gets ultimately to where they're trying to get to? Or does he cash in for probably his last paycheck of his career? And my goodness, that is not a decision that I would want to have to make. So I am sure that'll be a difficult one if it gets to that point. Yeah, and look, I mean, the other part of this is if he does sign an extension, you are going to have to deal with the consequences of financially how you treat the rest of the roster. So there's so many tentacles here. We've talked about Dawson Knox, Tremaine Edmonds, two years at Oliver, right? I mean, there's a lot of things coming up now where the Bills are going to have to start thinking about all of these different scenarios. So even if it's, okay, we signed an extension with Jordan Poyer, now suddenly we have another another story to think about because mm-hmm. they're going to have other guys. You're like, yeah, now you're going to keep Dawson Knox. Like, how does this work out? This is the price of having a really good team, Matt. It's also interesting, too, because like the salary cap feels like it's just going to continue to skyrocket. So it's like, okay, how many of these guys can you ultimately fit into this? But I was actually having this conversation with a couple people over the weekend, and they were like, can you explain to me how the salary cap works and like how all these teams can make all of this money work and push contracts down the road? And I was like, listen, you can kind of always push money. This is a really oversimplification Mm -hmm. of it. You can kind of always push money down the road. Eventually, though, you're going to be on the hook for that money. And eventually, the salary cap is not going to have the continuous spikes that we've seen because of you know TV contracts and all of those things. So they have to make decisions. Even though Brandon Bean has kind of been able to keep everybody over the years that we've been like, well, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep those guys. They've kind of been able to keep everybody, right. but eventually that's going to wear off because Josh Allen's contract is going to skyrocket. And when you have that massive of a contract, I'm not saying he's not worth it, then you start to have to really maneuver the salary cap a little bit trickier than it was before that. So we both kind of do some, you know, radio or TV hits with out of town markets sometimes, right? They ask us about the bills. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me what's going on with the bills. I had, I had one that happened this week and they, they asked an interesting question about what the feeling just is amongst the fan base. And they use the words, is it anxiety? Is it anticipation? Is it both? And I mean, I think we could definitely say both, Well, let's, let's take these kind of as you will, and, and maybe each side of it. Like, of course, it's anticipation, right? I mean, they're set up to win a Super Bowl, Matt. And yeah. I wouldn't say Super Bowl or bust necessarily because everything busts out. But for this season, if everybody stays healthy and they have a normal type of season as far as, you know, availability, they have to win the Super Bowl or else I think a lot of people are going to feel disappointed. It's weird because I do think it's Super Bowl or bust, but at the same time, you have Josh Allen in the prime of his career. And for as long as this team has Josh Allen, they are going to be a contender to win a Super Bowl. But the thing that I keep coming back to is this might be the richest cupboard of talents that they ever have because it's the last year before his contract just jumps, basically doubles, essentially. So I think it's their best chance to win one. And if they don't, it'll be a massive disappointment. That's not to say if they don't win it this year, they'll never win it because I think they will. With Josh Allen under center, I think this team is going to win a Super Bowl, if not multiple Super Bowls. I, I just think that it's a weird balance of like people being very excited. This is the most anticipated season that I think I can ever remember. Not even think like this is the most anticipated season that I can ever remember covering the team or just being in the city. And I've been here my entire life. But there's also a lot of anxiety that goes with that because the expectations are so high. There wasn't this kind of anxiety when it was just like, oh, well, right. you know, if they get to the playoffs, that's great. But, you know, they've got a really promising future. Now it's like that's 
a thing that nobody is going into this season like, oh, well, you know, get to the playoffs and see what happens. It's like, okay, get to the Super Bowl and see what happens. Yeah. And um, then when you think about the anxiety part of it, if you kind of project this out, it's exactly the same, which is, okay, like, yeah, we have to, we have to do it now or else, which isn't true. And that's the part that I kind of say to people nationally, which is what you just said. Look, the, the window's not closed, but Matt, look at like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. One Super Bowl, yep. right? One throughout this entire run. And I think that's the part of it of, okay, this is the best chance to strike. This is the best chance they have. But at the same time, they're going to have many more chances. It's not like if they don't win it, they're going to blow it up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, and there's a lot of examples of that. It's like Aaron Rodgers, they, they won the one. I think Russ Wilson, they only won the one. And I think if I'm not mistaken, after he signed his contract extension, they never even got back to a in a championship game, like an NFC championship game. So like this is their best window and like they need to strike now because you only get so many kicks at the can. But like you said, next year, if they don't win, like if, if they have a similar season to what they had last year or two years ago, they're going to bring the band back together. There's going to be some tweaks here and there, but the most important players on this team are under contract. Josh Allen will be back. Stefan Diggs will be back. Tredavious White will be back. Ed Oliver will be back. Like there's going to be some tweaks. Von Miller, you know, you then you get to the questions of well, what happens with the safeties? What happens with Jordan Poyer? What happens with Tremaine Edmonds? Those are the difficult things they'll need to figure out. But when you got Josh, you got a, you got a puncher's chance every single time. There's no doubt about that. All right. So give me one big question on the offense that you are you know, going to be watching for and try to at least find an answer to, if not in training camp, then early on, but something that's going into training camp. One big question for you on offense. Ken Dorsey. And how does Ken Dorsey kind of take the keys to the car here? And do we see more of what we saw these last couple of years and all the success they've had with Brian Dable? Or does Ken Dorsey try and put his own spin on it? And it's risky because I'm like one of those guys who's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think your philosophy should kind of stay the same. It should be like, okay, Ken Dorsey knows what works for this offense, and they also know what doesn't work. But I also think he should be willing to kind of put his own little spin on things and make sure that it he has the stamp of like, this is my offense, this is what I want. So I think that's a really interesting thing. And I also think it kind of goes back to like last year, and it felt like there was almost like a little bit of like a disagreement between Brian Dable and Sean McDermott and like, you know, how, what is the philosophy of this team? I think the Bills need to have success early. So Sean McDermott continues to be like, okay, Ken Dorsey, like go do your thing. And they don't try and be something that they're not. Like, I don't think the Bills are ever going to be like, uh, hey, we're going to go heavy and we're going to run the rock and we're just going to pound it down teams' throats. Like, no, the Bills are the best when they've got the ball in Josh Allen's hands, Stefan Diggs' hands, Gabriel Davis' hands, and Dawson Knox. The James Cook factor is an interesting one, but for me, the big question is, how does Ken Dorsey take this offense and keep them on the track they've been on and continue to lead them to success, if not more success? Yeah, that's the one for me because he is a first-time play caller. How does all of that look? How does all of that work? But since you used it, I'll say, I'll go on the field, and that's James Cook. You alluded to him. Like, how do they integrate James Cook in? What does it mean for Devin Singletary? I'm interested in that. O.J. Howard even. Like, some new weapons, if you will, and how all of that works. And it goes back to what you just said with Ken Dorsey. All right, let's get one big question 
on defense. I'll go first on this one. And that to me is what is your usage of Von Miller considering how you really have a philosophy of rotating defensive ends and, you know, defensive linemen, because I think Von Miller, of course, can still play at a very high level, but it's kind of counterintuitive to what the bills normally do. There is this a guy that he's going to be on the field a ton. Is he going to be out there 70% of the snaps, which would be, that's unheard of in a Bills defense, right? For a defensive yeah. lineman. They don't do that. But I think they have to if they want to really kind of real to to get the return out of investment of $20 million a year, especially for such an elite player. So to me, that's a big storyline. Now it's not going to be answered in camp. That's going to be something answered throughout training throughout the season. But I think just the Von Miller usage, what is the plan is for him, how he fits into this defense, because we know he's going to be an integral part. What exactly does that look like? How about for you? I'm actually going to, it's like a sub layer of the question that you just asked, but for me, it's which young defensive end Mm -hmm. separates themselves from the rest of the pack. And the group that I'm considering here is Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, because last year, Greg Rousseau got a lot of run. I think that's going to continue this year. He is going to be the starter opposite Von Miller, but because they are so heavy rotation focused, How does Boogie Basham get on the field? How does AJ Epinesa get on the field? Because honestly, at this point, especially for Epinesa, if Epinesa doesn't start to make an impact, I don't know if he's going to be a part of this team that much longer just because, you know, the sample size is it's a couple of years now. You can only say like, oh, the next year will be the year that he ultimately comes out. And like he had the great game against the Dolphins last year. He had a ton of pressures. It was like week two. And then after that, I mean, he didn't even play every single week. He wasn't even active every single week. Same thing with Boogie Basham. So I'm interested to see who separates themselves because they're really going to need to lean on those guys because even though they brought back Shaq Lawson, I still think of him as more of like a complimentary piece, not somebody that they think is going to be a guy who gets 50, 60% of the snaps. We didn't even touch on Tredavious White and the question mark with him. We'll find out more about him on Sunday. Does he start out training camp? Is it something we know about a little bit later? And of course, all of those questions will be answered very soon. And then once they do hit the field, the Bills are the betting favorite to not only win the AFC, but even the Super Bowl. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. So we just heard that the Bills are the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl. And I know that sends a chill down some people's spine as they think about the season and the expectations that come with it. 
Sal, I love ranking things. I ah. love making lists. I don't know if oh, I just boy. like, I, I like don't know if too. I, I just, I don't know if like I'm addicted to the controversy that comes with it, but I love just like putting things down pen to paper and going like, okay, this is the best and this is the worst. So we're talking about the bills. We're talking about how great they're expected to be. So let's rank the AFC teams. We can go from bottom to top. We can go from top to bottom. I don't really care. I think it's probably a little bit more fun if we start at the bottom and work our way up because that builds the anticipation a little bit. So... I wrote down a list. I don't know if you've got a list here. I don't have a list, but as you go, I can kind of comment or give my own take and say, okay, I'll put them there too. Okay. Let's start with team number 16. I have a team that I think is the worst team in the AFC. Who do you think is the worst team in the AFC before I tell you mine? Um, I think it's the Houston Texans. That's what I put as well. So I think we're probably both in agreement that Houston. Even though I actually like Davis Mills a little bit. They have Mm -hmm. something to build on there. Their roster just isn't good. Okay. So Houston's the worst. Who is the second worst? I have a team here, but I have two that I think could be kind of flip-flops in the same conversation. I'm going to put the Jaguars. Okay. I put the Jets, but I'm totally understanding of the Jags there. And then I would assume at 14, are you going to put the Jets there? Yeah, I'm going to put the Jets there. And I could see any one of these three teams going either way, right? I think if, if Davis Mills actually does rise up a little bit and plays well, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Houston, you know, I, I thought that um, they kind of figured some things out a little bit last year at times. Um, I could see them being 14 or 15. I could see the Jets going down to 15 or 16. I'm also leaving a little bit of crack open for the Jets to rise. But right now I'm putting them at 14. I love what the Jets did this offseason. I think they are building like it, it kind of all just comes down to Zach Wilson. Like if Zach Wilson is a slightly above average NFL quarterback, I think the Jets are going to be a good team because of the pieces they've surrounded him with. But it all comes down to him. And, you know, we just don't know. The sample size is too small. So now we get to mm. some teams that like historically are not in this conversation, at least on my list. We're at 13. I have a team here that like. Let me it's guess. Probably going to shock some people, but no, let me guess. Yeah, go ahead. You have the Steelers. I do. I have the Steelers at number 13. Like, listen, I don't think they've got a great defense. They've got some amazing playmakers on that side of the ball, whether it's Trubisky, whether it's Kenny Pickett. I just I think they're the worst team in their division. I think that's kind of up to if Deshaun Watson plays or how much he plays, but they're in a really tough division and Besides the defense, I just, I don't know. The, the offense has got some nice weapons, but I, I don't think the Steelers are going to be very good. And they also drafted Kenny Pickett, and yet we're hearing he's taking third team reps, right? I mean, what, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, what does that look like? Who's starting in Buffalo when they come here in early season, what, week four, week five, whatever it is? Yep. Um, you know, I, I think I agree with you. And look, I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan. I, I, I really love Mike Tomlin as a coach. I, I think he's a fabulous coach. I love their organizational structure and what they represent in the league, but you're right. You look at the landscape of the AFC. They just don't have the horses, man. They don't have the talent. They don't have the team. And I think that they have a lot of questions right now at quarterback. All right. So I, I agree with you. I'll, I'll put Pittsburgh there. I have no problem with Pittsburgh there, but Pittsburgh's among a group of a couple of teams, a yep. few teams that I could put there as well. Um, one of them that I'll go to next Man, I'm looking through this right now. It's crazy. The AFC is stacked. Yes, yes, it is. All right, so you know what? I'm going to put the New England Patriots next at number 12. I am not going to rank them any higher than 12th right now. I had them at 11. So we're we're on the same page here, but because I had them at what I had them at 11, you have them at 12. Let's put them down because that's pretty close. Okay. So I think 
the Patriots are like one of those teams that you do not like sleep on. Like Mm -hmm. when you're a team, if you're a good team and you see the Patriots on your schedule, you're not like, okay, we're a 16 and a half point favorite. We're going to blow the doors off of that team. But at the same time, like, I think that's a team most of the top guys in the AFC will be able to beat because I just don't think they do anything exceptionally well. Like offensively, I don't even know who's going to call plays for them this year. Mac Jones, I thought was good, not great as a rookie, but they still don't have like any weapons who I think like, oh my gosh, you have to game plan for that guy. And then defensively, they lost maybe their best player on that side of the ball, maybe their Mm -hmm. second best player. And Matthew Judon, great at the first half of last year and then just kind of disappeared down the stretch. So, and he's another year older now. So like, I think the Patriots are still like a okay average team, but with the AFC being as deep as it is, I I think this is where they slot. Who did you have at 12 since you had them at 11? Cleveland and Cleveland is all like it. And Cleveland is all come down to, it all comes down to Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson. So yeah. How do you wash that out in your rankings with or without? I'm almost just like assuming he's going to miss half the year. Okay. Like that's just kind of like the timeline that I've just built into my head of being like, okay, this guy's probably not going to play a full season. How much will he get? Like if he doesn't play at all, I think they plummet. I think they're like 13 or 14 or something in this scenario. If he plays half the games, I, I think that because they have a quarterback who is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, that they ultimately deserve the spot right there. So I had Cleveland at 12, New England at 11, but I think it can go both ways. All right. So, so let's put Cleveland at okay, 11. For okay. Let's put them there. Joint list. I, I have this group of four teams that I kind of can't figure out. Cleveland and New England are in there. The mm-hmm. other two, which I guess we could put at nine and 10 in some order for me, the Dolphins and the Raiders. Okay. So I had the Dolphins at 10 on my list mm-hmm. and I had the Colts at nine. Okay, Colts. I like it. All right. So I'm I'm lower on the Raiders than you are. I'm higher on the Colts than you are. Okay, that's fair. I think so, the, so that's where that goes. I think the Colts are like another one of those sneaky teams. And I think back to like week 17, week 18 of last year, and Bills fans were just terrified of the Colts and that being like yes. a potential first round matchup. And they haven't got worse. Like I, I think they've arguably gotten better and they've got some really great players. And Jonathan Taylor's an absolute freak. Um that being said, I, I really like the Raiders. Like, I think the Raiders with Devontae Adams are just kind of like a because they were a sneaky good team last year. And I think with the addition of maybe the best receiver in the NFL, probably the best receiver in the NFL, they're just going to be that much better. So that's why I have them a little bit higher on my list. Well, with the addition of Matt Ryan taking over at quarterback, I, I'm, I think Frank Reich has done an excellent job as a coach, but they did have that, you know, collapse last year, if you will. And obviously that's taking away some of the luster and Jonathan Taylor, they have a solid defense. Of course, Darius Leonard right there uh, on the defense. So I, I like Indy because of, I think they're just a solid team to me. They're not going to challenge for the AFC because they don't have that high end talent at the end of the day at quarterback and wide receiver, you're going to need, and they can be a little leaky on defense at times, but I do think they're going to be a team to be contended with. And I actually have them over the Tennessee Titans because yep. I think Indy's a better team. I have the Titans at number eight. Um, the Dolphins, you have higher. Do you have the Dolphins higher? Where do you have the Dolphins? I had the Dolphins at 10, which is, okay, where, we had, which is where we had them. So I guess the question becomes, because I had Indy at nine, <laughs> excuse me, Indy at nine and Tennessee at eight. So okay. it sounds like you have. I have Indy at seven, Tennessee at eight. So let's put Tennessee at nine because yep. we both, that seems 
I guess we're more on the same page. Yeah. I think Vegas is better than Indy personally. So I have Vegas as my seventh. I can see it. So you have, Indy. I'm not a big believer in Josh McDaniels yet. And I want to see how all this works for that team. And they're in a really tough division. Whereas Indy is in a division where I think they're getting, you know, they have to play Tennessee. They, but they also play Jacksonville and Houston a couple of times. So at the end of the day, I think that they wind up maybe, maybe on paper roster for roster, you could make an argument for Vegas. I think tenant Indy winds up with the better season. Okay, so you want to go Raiders at eight and Indy at seven? Yeah, that's fine with me. I can do that. Okay. Tennessee right. at I, nine, Miami at 10. Tennessee nine, Miami 10. Yep. So okay. that kind of completes that cluster. And then we get to... Well, this is interesting know. because I think this shows that our top six are the same. Yes, they're the exact same. Well, I mean, they're the exact same the six same teams. same group of six. I, yeah. So who, who did you have six? Because I have... Um, I may be a little higher on them than some people, okay. but obviously they're in the same category as you. So they I'm can't be tell that you far off. I did not think I would, but when I did the exercise, I have the Broncos at six. That's who I have. I have the Broncos. At I six. didn't think I would. And, and I thought about it, man, they have such great weapons and now they have Russell Wilson thrown to them and they were a good, a good defense last year. Like they can still mm-hmm. be a good defense, right? I, this is a nice. And then, um, and then Williams at running back. I mean, this, to me, this is a solid football team. That's really only going to be held back by their schedule and division. Yeah, think about it. They got Judy. They got Sutton. They got Patrick. They got yes. Now you go from Drew Locke to him. You go to Russell wow. Wilson. Like two great running backs. Like they, they've got some reasons to be excited in Denver. I think the scariest thing for like the Broncos, if you're a Broncos fan, is just how great the division is. Like that's just tough. Like it's going to yep. be tough to get to double digit wins when you play in that good of a division. That being said, they've absolutely got the talent to do it. Who do you have at five? Cincinnati. Okay. I have the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. I are they, think are they four for you, Baltimore? Yep. Okay. Cincinnati, are. I have flipped. So you can put it however you want it, but I, I, we just have them in the same four or five just flipped right there. And for me, there's too many questions on Baltimore with Lamar, um, mm-hmm. his inconsistencies and their injuries and how they are going to come back. But more than anything, I still think they're trying to play. 2022 football in a what 1990s something world with how they have constructed the roster. Whereas the Bengals have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and all these weapons. And you know what? I don't care if they give up 30 a game, they're going to score 40 maybe. Yeah. I really like the Bengals, but I think they're going to come back that de- not to like reality. I still think they're going to be a playoff team. I just think like last year when Baltimore is healthy they are such a well-coached and competitive team every single week. And like they couldn't have been more injured last year. And they were still all the way there until the end of the regular season. So for me, that's why I give them the nod, just because I think that Lamar is just so fun to watch. I think he's so dangerous. And I, I don't know. I guess it comes down to like if you're the Bills, are you more scared to play the Ravens or are you more scared to play the Bengals? Like if it got to a playoff matchup, which team would you be more afraid of? I think I would be more afraid of the Bengals, or excuse me, the, the Ravens, quite frankly. I love this question because I think the answer has always been Baltimore because of Lamar. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anymore. I think Sean McDermott has shown he knows how to handle Lamar Jackson. I'd be way more worried about the weapons that Joe Burrow has to throw to and what that could, because look at, t- to me, since he is more of a replication of Kansas City and the Bills and how they have struggled with them, right? Whereas Baltimore... It's a team that, like, I think the Bills would scheme up and shut down Lamar Jackson running the ball, and then what are you going to do then? So that's a great question, though, but I, I look at it the other way. All right, let's go to the top three. Obviously, we both have the same three teams, including the yep. Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Bills. 
in what order do you have them? I have the Chargers at three. I have the Chiefs. Wow. And we both have the Bills at one? No. I have the Chiefs oh, at one. Oh, <laughs> man. The upset here on it's always game day in Buffalo right before training camp. All right. I'll let you speak eloquently on this, but let me tell you, I think the Bills have the best roster. I think they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They added Von Miller, obviously. They're tested here. I think this team is set up to be. They have. There is a reason why. That place called Las Vegas who builds all those big, shiny casinos with all of our money. There's a reason why they have instilled the Bills as the number one odds-on favorite to win the conference, and that is because the Bills have the best team. I have the Chargers at number two because you now add in, what, Khalil Mack with Joey Bosa? I mean, Derwin James is a freak. They have J.C. Jackson. Jackson to that secondary. Um, they added to their defensive line, and they might have the best offensive line they've had in a while, which will mm-hmm. allow Herbert, oh, by the way, Justin Herbert, to be protected with all of those weapons. And here's the reason why I have Kansas City number three. Everybody else around them got better. They did not. They mm-hmm. have actively and intentionally chosen to not get better by trading Tyreek Hill. It doesn't mean they'll be worse but they're certainly not better and everybody else around them is. So I'm keeping them at number three. I think every podcast, every good podcast needs like a hero and a villain. (laughs) I want to be the, I want to be the villain. I want to establish, I want to establish myself as the heel. If you're a wrestling fan, like I want to be the, I want to be the bad guy. Listen, I think the bills are unbelievable. I think uh, people ask us all the time, like, are the bills going to win the Super Bowl?" And the answer that I always say is they can I don't know if they will, but they absolutely can. And I agree with you. I think the Bills might have the best roster top to bottom in the entire NFL. But it's just kind of like, are they going to be able to exercise those demons and go beat Kansas City in the playoffs? Because up to this point, they haven't. The only time that they've been able to beat them is that Sunday night game where there was like an hour and a half halftime because it was a torrential downpour and the Chiefs were playing about as bad as they did all of last year. And then they still were able to beat the Bills in the playoffs. So this is kind of for me, just like, just go show me you can do it. Like, go show me on the big stage that you're capable of winning it all because they have the Chiefs. Mahomes has won a Super Bowl, and I like sneakily like some of the moves they made. I know they lost Tyreek Hill. I think good teams know when to cut the bait, and Tyreek Hill is like he's such a dynamic player, but he is completely his game is predicated on speed. The minute he loses that speed, that's going to be like a terrible contract for what they're paying him. So they went out and they took the money that they would have had to pay him, and they were able to get Juju Smith Schuster, who's still young, who I still think has a lot of upside. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think is a really nice little player and a really interesting one fantasy-wise. So, like, I think I I trust both teams. I think, once again, we're going to be talking about Bill's Chiefs in the AFC Championship, maybe the AFC Divisional Round. Like, I just think they're on a collision course, and this is like Manning-Brady 2.0, essentially. I just – I'll give the nod to the Chiefs because the Bills haven't beat them in the playoffs yet. Matt Bove. Going full yeah. heel right here on it's always game day in Buffalo. No, he, he you know, look, I mean, I think these teams are close and it might just really come down to who gets home field advantage in the playoffs. But that didn't matter last year because the Tennessee Titans had number one, the number one seed. They get bounced early by Cincinnati, who then goes to Kansas City and beats them, too. Right. So but that we know the Bills would love to be at home for the playoffs. It's going to be really interesting to see how the entire AFC shakes out. But really interesting rankings there. 
I think it's awesome that you and I did not know this or talk about it beforehand. And we both had the same top six, mm-hmm. even in a loaded conference where there's so many questions about who should be in these areas. That's pretty cool, though. Let me put a bow on this conversation with this. So which playoff team from last year in the AFC do you think is the most likely to not make the playoffs next year? Oh, it's the Steelers, 100%. They made it uh, last year. Let's remember that. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's it's like the Steelers or it's the Patriots. So the, the Patriots were a playoff team last year. Like, they were. <laughs> that's right. I would say I agree with you. And I think, to me, it's Steelers, then Patriots, then Raiders. Maybe Raiders, then, yeah, I think then Raiders. Maybe Raiders, then Patriots, because the Patriots have, you know, the Raiders are in that West. But um, what I, I think we both agree the Chargers would be the most likely team to make it, correct? Yeah, I think the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Ravens, for me, would yeah, be... Yeah. The three teams that I think will ultimately kind of like leapfrog to that level, but something's going to happen because something always happens. Somebody is going to get hurt. A team is going to be decimated with injuries. You know, a team is going to have just something really weird happen and then they're going to be playing catch up. I mean, think about the Ravens last year. Like if you yep. said at the halfway point of the season that the Ravens were going to miss the playoffs, everybody would have thought you were crazy, but then they just continued to get hit with injuries and then the wheels just ultimately fell off. So, and look at the Bengals, like at the halfway point of last year, people were like, Oh, look, the Bengals, like, that's cool. Like maybe they're going to be around at the end of the year and they got hot at the right time. And at the end of the regular season, they exploded and then they went all the way to the playoffs. So I, I mean, I think the bills have the best roster in the NFL, but until they do it, I'm going to just still have that little like it's like the good angel and the devil on your shoulders. It's like the angels like, oh, they're the best team in the NFL. Like, what are you talking about? They were 13. <laughs> they were 13 seconds away from going to the hosting the AFC championship. Right. And I ultimately think winning the Super Bowl. And then and then the devil is like, yeah, but they screwed it up. And, you know, sometimes winners win and the Chiefs have been able to do it. So I, I don't know. It's a uh, it's an interest. I mean. The Bills are really good. I don't want to make it seem like I don't think the Bills no, are No, I get it. I They're get really it. I good. You don't have to defend yourself on this one. I think that um, Bills Mafia might not love hearing it. Oh, no, but, I'm sure. But but there's a reason why these teams all, you know, play the games and compete. And look, the Bills, you know, they, they didn't. They were a game out of first place in their own division after that first New England game last year. Let's remember that. The Patriots had a one-game lead on them. They had to catch up. So, you know, nothing's for sure in the NFL. The only thing that is for sure is we both kind of – know that the Jets aren't going to break their 11-year playoff drought. That was evident by what we just said right here, right? Neither of us are picking the Jets to go to the playoffs this year and break the longest playoff drought right now currently in the NFL. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there.
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so let's get some questions in from our listeners. Uh, Matt and I answer some questions once in a while from you, and we appreciate you coming aboard. We appreciate you downloading, subscribing, throwing us a nice review, giving us a five-star rating. We are on Apple iTunes. We're on Spotify. We are, we are wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we want you to use that Odyssey app. We appreciate all the support from Odyssey. And of course, our producer, Jim Stelliano, who does an amazing job helping us sound as good as we can, which is not easy to do sometimes. But we do have a question that comes in here from, I love this particular handle on Twitter. You ready? Yeah. Billsy McBill's face. <laughs> Billsy right. McBill's face <laughs> tweets in. I like this question because it's a guy we haven't talked a lot about, but we've mentioned, especially when we did our state of the bills at wide receiver guys, what do you think Marquez Stevenson has to show in terms of specifics to make the team? So he says, all right, pin it down to specifics. So for me specifics, I would say it this way, Matt, I think he has to kind of make sure he doesn't make mistakes. Like don't screw it up. Don't fumble, mm-hmm. like, muff a punt fumble a kickoff, drop easy passes. I think he's more on the inside looking out than the outside looking in, but that can very well change based on two or three plays during training camp or preseason. I think he needs to show that he's a capable wide receiver on the boundary because mm-hmm. they've already got so many guys who can play the inside. Like Khalil Shakir is making the team. I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to make the team mm-hmm. and Jamison Crowder is going to make the team. So right there, you've got three guys and then you get to like Diggs and Gabe Davis. They're obviously making the team. So how does Stevenson make the team? He needs to show that one, he's a capable backup boundary wide receiver because they don't have a ton of those after Diggs and Davis. And second, he also needs to be capable special teams wise. Like he needs to prove his worth and he needs to make sure that he doesn't make a mistake because I still think he's probably the favorite to win that job. That being said, if McKenzie has a lights out camp and Stevenson struggles, I absolutely see a situation where he doesn't make the team and he ends up on the practice squad. Okay. One more here that I'll bring up. And this is from Dr. Venkman 420. Ghostbusters reference, I guess, among other things. All right. Dr. Venkman 420 tweets a question to us and says, a lot of Gabe Davis hype guys, Gabe Davis hype. We all saw the playoff games. Some heard he put on 17 pounds. I think that's right. I heard he's on at like 227 now up from 210. I think that is correct. 
Now, Dr. Venkman says, I've noticed he's finally more outspoken. Is he a bit too cocky lately, or is this the correct amount of confidence from a young wide receiver? I haven't seen any cockiness from Gabe Davis. Have you? I mean, no, just because no. someone's outspoken or more on social media doesn't mean they're cocky. No, I do think that he's found his voice a little bit, and yeah. I think that he has found his confidence. And I actually spent a day with Gabe Davis at his oh, nice. house in Florida. In Florida, we were down there for the owners' meetings, and then Look once the owners, yeah, once the owners' meetings ended, I went up and I did a story with him just about you know like. It was basically a story for the NFL draft. And it was like, listen, the Bills most productive draft pick of these last several years, besides Josh Allen, obviously, is Gabe Davis. He was this fourth round guy, like what motivates him, all this stuff. And he kind of like took me through the process of like what he does every single day. And when you see the work that he puts in, Mm -hmm. you kind of understand why he's having the success that he's having. So like this is the day that we basically spent together. He woke up. First thing in the morning, I wasn't there for this, but he went fishing like he just loves to fish. That's his like kind of safe space. And he went and spent like three or four hours out on the water fishing. After that, that's when I met up with him. We went and we got lunch and then he went to a gym and he works on like physical therapy. He works on strength training, explosion, all of the things that you'd want. Now, Gabe also happens to live with like his trainer and friends in Orlando. And then once they get back to the house, they relax a little bit. They watch some film. Then they watch some cartoons, but then they go out to the driveway and they've got a jugs machine and he catches at least 200 balls every single day when he is back in Florida. And he works on all of these different little like intricacies when he's catching. And he was kind of like walking me through like, how he likes to try and approach a ball when he's coming from one side or like what he wants to do if a ball is over his shoulder and all these different things. So when you kind of see like that level of like the layers that go into it of like, okay, he's in the gym, he's catching 200 balls minimum every single day. He's running routes at UCF like four or five times a week with other NFL players who went to UCF. Like he is very clearly taking it seriously. And I think he realizes like, he has the potential to be a really dominant player. So I do understand what the question is saying because he is way more outspoken now than he was a year ago. A year ago, it was like, I'm just going to do my job and I'm just going to make sure that I can you know, do whatever the team needs. Now he's like, throw me the ball in the biggest moment. I will make the play. I know Amazing. I will make the play. But I, I view that as confidence. And I think that honestly, some of Diggs has rubbed off on him. Like, I think that he sees how Diggs approaches himself and carries himself. And he's like, listen, that's the perfect role model for me. I'm going to do what that guy does because it's worked for him. And he's had the success to back it up these first couple of years. That's awesome. I didn't know about that. That's pretty cool experience you had with, with Gabe Davis right there. Yeah. Um, yeah he's, he's, uh, he seems like he's pretty welcoming in that regard. He is. I think that, you know, he, he did not necessarily envision that he would be in this situation of like the spotlight that has been thrusted upon him because he did something in a playoff game that no player in NFL history has ever done before. Mm -hmm. But I think he's, I think he's kind of open to the challenge and I think he's very ready to be a wide receiver too on this team. And maybe I'm a little biased just because I did get to see kind of like the things that motivate him. But I just, I think the skill is there. I think whenever they have needed him, he has stepped up. And I, I just think he's got the right mental makeup. Love it. Great stuff there. Where else are you going to get this kind of insight? Only right here on It's Always <laughs> Game Day in Buffalo. All right, folks, that's it. Matt, here we go, man. We're off and running. Training camp. It's here Sunday. 
Yeah, it is here. One other one other story though from the Gabe Davis. Yes, thing. go so ahead. I was um, we were sitting there, and Isaiah McKenzie was supposed to come up for the day, okay. and he was FaceTiming him, and he was just giving McKenzie such a hard time, and was like. I'm out here working my tail off and you're running a barbecue restaurant in South Florida. He's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, this is. So I asked him, I was like, we were sitting there at the jugs machine and I go like, who has the best hands on the team? And he was like, oh, me, no questions asked. He's like, I think everybody would tell you they have the best hands, but I know I have the best hands. And then he was like, Isaiah will tell you he has the best hands, but there's a reason he doesn't get thrown the ball as much as the rest of us. So that's kind of like there. They very much like bicker back and forth. But Love it. I think I think that's kind of like healthy for the room. So they're a really fun group, the wide receivers in sale. The next time we see them, it will be at training camp at St. John Fisher University, University in Rochester, and I'm pretty excited about it. Very cool. Folks, thanks again for um, you know coming aboard with this uh, podcast for us. Now we're getting into training camp. We're going to be here there for you for this, for training camp, doing some more podcasts. Matt and Alex should be together recording some you know, in the dorms and things like that after practice. We're also going to be here for the regular season a couple of times a week. So Make sure you always have the latest It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast downloaded and subscribed to so it can just drop right in to wherever you pod in your podcast placeholder, Apple iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is. Give us a nice rating. We appreciate that. That'll help grow the podcast as well. We got a lot more content and interviews and things like that planned for you as we go on. All right, Matt, enjoy uh, safe travels to St. John Fisher University. I'll catch you up there and we will talk again sometime soon after the first couple of practices.